In a couple weeks, we're going to celebrate Easter because Jesus Christ is alive. And he will so work in your life if you'll open up your heart. I've been following him for 26 years and he just won't stop. Is that not good news? So I, those people who have been, you know, I've been following Jesus for 26 years and they tell new Christians, oh, you know, I know you're excited now, but it'll wear off. Those people don't know the risen Christ. It gets better and better and better. And I don't care if you're here today and you're just wondering if he's even real. Or I don't care if you accepted him when you were three into your life and you're 85. He's alive today. And he freaking loves you. He loves you. And he wants to meet you today. So Christian, come on up here. There's another guy that knows that Jesus Christ is alive. And that's this man right here. And um, Christian's got a story to share with you today. As you can tell, there's some Kleenex on this, uh, on this, uh, <laughs> on this, <laughs> and um, because when God goes to the very depth of your soul, everything changes. I, I, I just want to stand here to get with this guy right here and let you know that your pastors are experiencing God in a brand new deep, already, life-changing way. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'll take that box away from you. Uh-huh. And, um, and all we want is for you to experience the same thing. And I'm telling you, you do not have to leave this place the same way you walked in. You don't. He's alive right now, and he loves you. And Jesus said, I came so that you'd have life to the full. And if you aren't experiencing life to the full, then you have yet to have received all that Jesus Christ has for you. And I just want to ask you today, as I pray for you and as I pray for Christian, would you open your heart today and say, Jesus, I want life to the full. Can I just ask you a question? Just by a raise of hands, how many of you want life to the full? How cool is it that what you want, Jesus said he came to give? So how about those two things connect today? Your need and his offer. All right? So let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that you never stop loving us, that you never stop leading us, that you never stop changing us. I want to praise you and worship you today as the God who loves perfectly all the time. And Lord, right now in this moment, I pray that you would give hope to every heart in this room. And that by your grace, even right now, you'd start to open the door of their heart. Lord, I know lots of hearts in here right now have, have closed the door to their heart. 
They have locked it. They sit behind that door inside their own heart, scared to death, not free, hiding. And they want to be free today. They want to open up the door. You're the one who stands at the door of our hearts and you knock. God, would you give all of us in this room the courage today, the faith today, to open up the door and let you in. May we receive your embrace. May we see the smile on your face and the favor in your eyes. And may you grab our hand and lead us out into the life that you've created us to live. May this day be a marked day, a crossroads where people are never the same. So Lord, anoint this boy. Just, just fill him up. Give him all the great joy that he has right now. And may it overflow. May you just rise up and speak through him to us so we can hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dave. And uh, production, just so you know, I'm starting my 30-minute countdown now. Pray for me <laughs> that I can get all this out. I, uh, I just got some things to share with you. I uh, alluded to it a couple of months ago that, uh, that God's just been on the move in my heart. And uh, I've been itching to tell you about it for two months and now I'm scared to death. <laughs> it's going to be a little different this morning. If you're here for the first time, you know what, I'm not... Uh, Glad you're here. This is who we are. This is who I am. And I'm not going to apologize for it. But come back next week. (laughs) 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 About two months ago, it's the beginning of February, uh, after a staff meeting, I sought out Dave and said, Dave, I've got to talk to you. There's some things going on in my heart. It just it troubled me. I was tired. I was really angry. I had been angry for a few months. And uh, I just knew something wasn't right. I was depressed. I was spiritually just empty. And I told Dave about that. That was a little scary. <laughs> And I told him that I had been, over the last 15 years that I've been in ministry, I have been at that point that I was at at that point at least three times. My wife thinks five or six times, but at least I know of at least three, four significant times where I was just at the end of myself, spiritually and emotionally. And, and the biggest struggle when I, when I came to that point was this voice that would tell me, Christian, you're a fake You're a hypocrite. You're not for real. Just wait till people find out. And uh, and that voice was so real. 
that my biggest fear was that that was true. And um, well, I just didn't have anything else to give spiritually. And all these doubts would creep in and I would literally feel like I, would ha- I had this beast, <laughs> this sinful beast inside of me that I just needed to constrain and, and hold back and that it just wanted to leash out and destroy life as I know it. And uh, I just told Dave back then, I said, Dave, I, I got to deal with this. I cannot go on. In the past, when I had come to that point, I, I would you know, take a couple of weeks off from ministry and just kind of let the urgency and the, the, the pain of those feelings die off and then push back on, you know. And I just knew I couldn't do that anymore. I told Dave, I said, Dave, I have got to get to the bottom of this. I have to, I have to really open this up and allow Jesus to shine into this and, and bring his truth into that. And, and I think I told him, I said, I, I don't know where this is going to lead me. I, I don't know what's going to come to the surface, but I can't go on like this. And I asked him, as well as our spiritual advisory board, our elder board, if, if they would give me permission to go away for a week um, to a place where I could get some, some help and, uh, and really dig into, into it. And a place in Colorado was recommended called Crossroads Ministry, a counseling center, especially for people in ministry. And um, it was, they usually booked out months and months in advance, and they had an opening a week later and allowed me to come, and I just got to tell you, I was scared to death. I was scared to death because I didn't know what would come to the surface. I was scared to death that those voices that I was hearing, hearing those accusations that I wasn't for real, that I was a fake and a hypocrite, that that would be true. And what that would mean... what that would mean to my marriage, to my family, to this church, to my future. And it was that fear that in the past would keep me from actually going there, the fear of, of what, would, what would come out. But you know what was different this time? My desperation for Jesus to bring his truth into my life, my desperation for him had become bigger than my fear, had become bigger than my my fear of what ha- would happen to my reputation or what people would think of me. And so I, I took off, it was, uh, I think, fe- February 6th. I flew out to Colorado and, and uh, went to this counseling center. And my friend Mike Manning took me to the airport. And in the car, he had this, this devotional on the bank. He asked me if I wanted to take it with me. And I said, ah, I'm good. And then right as I left the car, I, I felt like, yeah, you know what? I think I should take it. And I, um, I opened it up the next morning on my way before I went to my first uh, session with a counselor. And it's a, it's a devotional called Jesus Calling. It's a missionary called Sarah Young who started writing down what she felt she received from Jesus in her, in her quiet time with him and, and wrote it down and she actually dated it. So on February 7th, the morning that I started my counseling, this is what it said. It said, come to me for rest and refreshment. The journey, the, the journey has been too much for you, and you are bone-weary. Do not be ashamed of your exhaustion. Instead, see it as an opportunity for me to take charge of your life. Remember that I can fit everything into a pattern for good, including the things you wish were different. 
Start with where you are at this point in time and space, accepting that this is where I intend you to be. You will get through today one step, one moment at a time. Your main responsibility is to remain attentive to me, letting me guide you through the many choices along your pathway. This sounds like an easy assignment, but it is not. Your desire to live in my presence goes against the grain of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And much of your weariness results from your constant battle against those opponents. However, you are on the path of my choosing. So do not give up. Hope in me, for you will again praise me for the help of my presence. And I read that that morning, and I just knew. I knew God was speaking to me. You know, part of my struggle over these years had been that I knew so much. I, I really loved Jesus and I wanted more from him, but I, I've always felt like there's something missing in my walk with him, in my intimacy with him. I would hear others, Dave and other people around me, talk about this intimacy with Jesus, how he supplies everything and how he is their source and they hear from him and he refreshes them. And, and I'd often sit there thinking, really? Really? I want that so bad. See, I had made a commitment to follow him. I had made a commitment to believe in him. And I had glimpses of, of intimacy with him, but boy, they were few and far between. And I read this and I thought, okay, all right, he's, he's on to something with me. And um, so I went to the first session and it was two days of hours and hours of just digging Digging into my life, I actually brought an onion to peel for you here, but I'm going to leave it over there. It was really like peeling away layers of my life. And I went there with the commitment of saying, I'm just going to lay it all out there. Jesus, I'm going to put it all on the table for you. And we started, we started layering, taking off layers of my life. I knew certain issues I knew <laughs> were, that were an issue in my life. And I went there preparing to share those and, and dig in what, what, what was really going on in my heart. One issue was for me that, especially in those times of just despair and depression and, and accusations, I felt like my walk with Jesus was like a merry-go-round out of control. You know when a merry-go-round is and you sit on that little horse and you hold on and it just goes around and around and that's all right. But my walk with Jesus felt like that thing had just gone into a few more gears and was spinning out of control. And I was holding on to that pole. My feet were swishing through the air and I was just holding on by sheer power, by sheer willpower. And I said, Jesus, I don't know how long I can hold on in my own strength. My commitment is, it's there, but I don't know how much longer I can do this. That's why I felt spiritually. And then there were issues in my life Issues that I know were there and I needed to bring before him. I knew I, I believed the right things about him. I believed. I've never doubted that he was the son of God. I never doubted that he died for me, that he rose again. But my deep need for his death was always something very abstract. You know, I never lived a horrible life and grew up in a nice Christian family. And, and the, 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 the real need for the cross was always something more rational than, than emotional for me, something experiential. You know, the verses like, like John eight thirty six. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Man, I could quote those up and down. But often inside I would say, really? Why is there all this stuff in my life that keeps me in bondage? Second Corinthians 
um, 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And I would read that and I would quote it in messages and I would think, why is that old crap still going on in my life, Jesus? Where is my new creation? And then there were events in my life that I knew had had a big impact on me and a hold on me. And one of those layers that I had to open up was that I was molested when I was five years old. And just the, uh, the guilt and the shame, the secrecy, and the wounds from that And the effects of that for 30 years, I had never dealt with. I had never allowed Jesus to, to touch. I kept that hidden away, <laughs> deep, 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 hidden away. Another event was when I was 11, my, we moved away from the city that I knew where all my family lived. We moved far away to a tiny little village where I wasn't accepted because I spoke differently. I came from a different place and, and I just wasn't accepted. And one thing I learned there was I'm going to do whatever it takes for people to like me. I'm going to do whatever it takes for people to accept me. And a lifelong pattern of seeking people's approval, being dependent on what people think, being dependent on what, what you think about me. So two days of, of digging into that was super painful. At the end of Tuesday night, I wrote in my journal, said, God, you have got to start giving me hope tomorrow. You have got to start touching these things. I can't just keep digging. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else to dig up. But Jesus, I need hope tomorrow. And I wrote, I said, Jesus, if I don't get hope tomorrow, I don't know where this journey is going to lead me. So the next morning, Wednesday morning, February 9th, I opened up this journal again, this devotional, and this is what it said. It said, seek my face more and more. You're really just beginning your journey of intimacy with me. It is not an easy road, but it is a delightful and privileged way, a treasure hunt. I'm the treasure, and the glory of my presence glistens and shimmers along the way. Hardships are part of the journey, too. I meet them out ever so carefully in just the right dosage. It felt a little heavy for me at the time, but with a tenderness you can hardly imagine. Do not recoil from afflictions, since they are among my most favored gifts. Trust me. And don't be afraid, for I am your strength and song. And I'm telling you, that was exactly what I needed to hear. It was that intimacy with him that I had been yearning and, 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 and desiring for decades. And he said, today that's going to begin. And I went into that session that morning with, with high, high hopes. One thing that... Uh, that Pete, the counselor, had me do as an exercise. He gave me a sheet of paper that had like a, a mask on it. It looked like a, ma a face mask. And he said, write on that mask, on the outside of this mask, what you want people to see about yourself. 
So that was easy. I wrote down, man, I want them to think I'm spiritual, that I'm a great father and husband, and that I'm handsome, and that I'm athletic. Yeah, I, I wanted you to think all those things. You know, what we want people to know. And then he took that and said, okay, now let's turn that around. So this is the inside of the mask. He said, write down what you see about yourself. And I wrote down, unspiritual, incompetent, failure, all the things I was seeing about myself. And then he said, so Christian, what does Jesus see? What's true here? What do you think Jesus sees and how, how does he respond to that? And literally in my inner eye, I closed my eyes and I told him, you know what I, what I think Jesus sees and does? And I could literally see Jesus approaching me, look at me with sadness and pity, shake his head and turn around and walk away in disappointment. That's what I felt I deserved. And Pete said, Christian, we need to pray about that. <laughs> He had given me a book a couple of days earlier called Seeing is Believing, and we have 25 copies. I, that's all I could get for today out in the, in the info, on the info table, and I hope you bolt out and buy these first come, first serve. He gave this to me in preparation for our counseling, and it talked about, it's a pastor, Greg Boyd, who wrote it, and he wrote it because of people like me in his congregation, people who believed the right thing and wanted more with Jesus but kept hitting a wall and were just lacking, really experiencing the freedom and the peace that the Bible talks about. And he says, we're holding on by sheer commitment and faith, but Jesus wants you to experience him. He wants your faith and your belief to go together with your real-life experience. And so he, he talks about experiencing Jesus through, through prayer. And so that's what we, what we did the next few days. That's what I loved about this place, this counseling place, because Pete didn't give me a list of to-dos. I had made my own to-dos for decades. Have a longer quiet time. Be more disciplined in it and, and read your Bible more. And that'd be great, but it would just lead to more failure and, and more disappointment. So what he did is, Christian, we're just going to pray together. We've, we've uncovered a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things to pray about. And see, what happened with a lot of these events that I've told you about, what happened is we have an enemy, and he plants lies in our lives, lies of deception that, that are opposite of what Jesus says is true about us. And he says, let's pray and allow Jesus to speak into those events and into those lies and experiences. And so we started out praying, and it was really hard at first, and I couldn't really connect and And he just said, use your imagination. Allow God. God's given you imagination. He's given you senses to experience him. And that was kind of weird for me. But he said, just allow, just say, Jesus, just speak to me in whatever way you want to. And literally, all of a sudden, I, I had this picture in my mind, in my inner eye, of one of those old German fortresses. Not a pretty Disney castle, but a big old ugly fortress with thick black walls. And all of a sudden, I could see this, this huge bell just tearing in walls of this castle. And it was just really clear to me in my heart that that castle represented me. And these walls were the walls of protection that I had built up so that people wouldn't see what I knew was really in my heart and the things I wanted to protect. And so these walls would break down. And then in my, in my inner eye, they, they would just re-erect themselves. Just, they would just come right back up. And I just knew... There's a battle going on. There's a spiritual battle going on right now for my life. 
And I just, I was just, I've never been that engaged in prayer. And all of a sudden I was reminded of a story in the Old Testament of Jacob. And I don't know if you know the story. It's in Genesis 32, I believe. And if you haven't read it, read it. It's about Jacob at night being visited by God in form of a man and wrestling with him. And that story had never made sense to me because Jacob wrestles with this person that represents God's, God and he overcomes him. He wins. And in the end, he says, I will not let up, Jacob says, unless you bless me. And then God blessed him and he gave him the name Israel. And out of him came the people of Israel. And that story had never made sense to me. But in that moment of prayer, of really wrestling for my life with God, I just knew all of a sudden, that's what Jacob did. And that's what you're doing right now, Christian. You are wrestling with God for his blessing. And you're not, you, you have to be more desperate for his blessing than anything else. And in that prayer, in that moment, I said, God, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me and touch these areas of my heart. And that was a breakthrough in, my, in that time of prayer in my life, I can just tell you. We then started to pray about specific events, specifically about the time of, of being molested when I was five. And I have very vivid memories of that. And I could see myself as this five-year-old kneeling on the floor and just... Anyway, and uh, all of a sudden, literally, I could see Jesus kneel behind me and wrap his arms around my chest and just rocking me and comforting me and healing me. He didn't say anything, but I could just sense the peace of his presence and healing all the wounds that were inflicted in those moments. And the peace and the joy and the freedom that I experienced that moment was as real as sitting here and looking at you. Something I had never experienced in my life. Jesus said, Actually, in this, in this picture, he, he took me across the street. This was as a na- at a neighbor's house. And he took me back across the street into our backyard and started playing soccer with me, <laughs> which is really weird because soccer has always been something in my life that had been portrayed as something unspiritual. And, and you know, I got to grow out of that. But he, he gave me permission to say, I gave you passions and enjoy them and enjoy them with me. And then we prayed about different things in my life, my, my need for approval and, and, and getting people's approval and, and affirmation. And, and I could literally, at some point I felt Jesus taking my face and looking at me and says, Christian, you've been a politician all your life. You've been gathering votes everywhere you go. Getting every person's vote. What's your vote on me? Is it good or bad? If it's bad, okay, move on to the next. And, and he said, Christian... No one has a vote on you. Nobody has a vote on you. Your parents don't have a vote. Your wife doesn't have a vote. Dave Nelson doesn't have a vote. Your church doesn't have a vote. He says, I have a vote. And he said, this is it. You're my son, and I love you, and I've made you, and there is no more condemnation. You are free, and you are are innocent. And I'm telling you, I, again, I, I knew all the Bible verses that say there's no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And I, I could quote those and I believed those. But somehow they hadn't touched my heart because I had put up all these walls of protection around me. 
But what happened that week for me is that, that what I believed to be true and, and rationally knew to be true became true in my experience with Jesus. And it put everything in a different light. John 8.32, you know, is true. That the truth sets us free. The truth of Jesus spoke into my heart and gave me freedom. And I, I'm not going to go into details here, but I'm telling you, the freedom and the healing that I've experienced in the last two months, the effects of that healing and freedom, especially when it comes to the wounds inflicted when I was five, it is miraculous. The freedom, the joy, and the peace that I am experiencing is a miracle. And I just want to tell you, it is, it is true. And I, I know Jesus wants to draw all of us into that. It's a painful road. A few months ago, a couple of months ago, we had this uh, picture, video of Dave and Ladd at this fire. And he talked about, you know, God loves us and he draws us to that fire and it hurts. But he wants to draw us through his fire because he wants to burn away all that stuff that, that keeps us from him and from more intimacy with him. And that's what I feel Jesus did that week. He, he's drawn me to that fire multiple times over the last years. And every time it got so hot it hurt, I would rah, get away and detour it. And this time I allowed him to take me through it. And boy, it hurt. It hurt like hell. Sorry. I'm telling you, coming out on the other side with, with so much of that burned away and having experienced the truth of Jesus in my heart has been unbelievable. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I've always thought, why, why redundancy? Why twice freedom? You know why I think it's twice in there? Because he set us free. When we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we are set free from the, from the effects of sin for all eternity. We're saved and we've become his children. But he wants that being set free to be lived out in freedom with him here and now. And that's what I feel I've been lacking most of my walk with him. And that's what I'm experiencing now. And I just want you to know, I want you to know that if my wife were to come up here now, she would tell you that she has a different husband in the house. If Clara would come up here, I know she would tell you she has a new father in the home. And I pray to God that you have a new pastor in the house because I know I'm not the same person. I've, I've experienced a freedom in Jesus that has blown my mind. And I want nothing, nothing more than for you to experience that. And I want to ask you for forgiveness for not having lived transparently with you, for having protected myself and having pretended to a degree. I just want to ask your forgiveness. And I know that Jesus wants to set you free. You know, all I ever knew to do in my life was change behavior. Change behavior to please God a little more, to get closer to Him. And that's all I knew how to help you, is <laughs> to change behavior. But once you've experienced the grace of God, once you've been there, you can lead people there. And I hope I can help lead you into the grace of God and into the freedom that He has for you. You know, and it's not because of me at all. None of this is is about me. It's because of what Jesus 
has graciously done in my heart. And over the last years, I often thought, God, why aren't you letting me in closer? Why aren't you letting me in closer? And in these last two months, I've asked myself, God, why did you allow me to wait so long <laughs> to allow you to do this? Why did I have to turn 37 and be in ministry, for goodness sakes, for 15 years before you would allow me to experience this with you? Do you know what? I really believe strongly that it is for us as a church and for a time just as this, that it is for you to know that you have permission. If, if I, as a, as a pastor, a leading pastor at this church, had the freedom to express where I was to my boss and to my, my elder, elder team here, our spiritual advisory team, and I tell you, the grace that I received from Dave, from the management team, and from, uh, from our elder board, our spiritual advisory board, I don't know if there's another church where I would have received it. So I believe partly God needed to bring me here to be surrounded by people who, who had experienced the grace of God and could extend it to me. And I believe he's allowed me to, to go through this now so that I can help those of you that need to be led there. And I just want you to know, you have absolute permission to, to be honest with where you're at, where you're at with Jesus, where you're frustrated, and where you want to go deeper. And I want to ask the band to come up. And I want to tell you, I want to tell each one of you that today, today can be the day of a new beginning for you. I don't, I don't care if you've ever stepped into a relationship with Jesus before. I know he wants you in an intimate relationship with him. And I know he's drawing you this morning. And this is an opportunity for you to step into the freedom and the grace and the peace that he has for you. And then I'm sure there's many of you who are where I was. You've believed the right thing and you're holding on to your commitment to him. But the intimacy is missing. The relationship is missing. The friendship is missing. The hearing from him is missing. The, the being held by him is missing. And today can be your step of saying, I want that. And I'm willing to, to open up all the, 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 the protections of my heart, Jesus. And I want you to shine your truth into the depths of my heart. And shower and pour your grace into that.